our study on the greatest sermon ever preached. And for the last few weeks, we've been in what we um, commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And we've looked at our relationship where the Lord Jesus Christ said we are to, to address God as our Father. We've looked at the reality which art He is, always has been, always will be. The realization that our Father is in heaven, a place of purity, a place of power, a place of glory. And we've looked at our reverence that we are to honor His name. Hallowed be Thy name. We are to give Him um, the glory that He is due. We looked at our request um, where we are to um, ask, give us this day our daily bread. And today we're going to be looking at our repentance. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus Christ said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you again for this time together tonight and for this opportunity to come around your word. We just pray that you would help us, Lord, uh, understand uh, what you're saying here in relation to prayer, that this uh, would enable us to be able to come before you more reverently, Lord, uh, that we would be able to come before you and that the motive of our prayers would be pure. So, Father, we ask that you would just speak to our hearts tonight and help us to realize the blessing uh, that we have to be able to say that we are debt-free. So, Father, we pray that you would just help us tonight, Lord. I pray that if there's one here tonight who has never had their sins forgiven, who has never come to Christ as their Savior, they still owe a debt that they simply can't afford. They will never pay that debt off. That debt was covered at Calvary, and I pray that somebody tonight here in this church or maybe watching online uh, would come to Calvary and recognize the fact that their sin debt has been paid for once and for all, that all they need to do is recognize that need and call out to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, believing that he died upon the cross for them, was buried and rose again victoriously for them. So, Father, we pray that you would help us tonight speak to our hearts, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So remember, when we came to this portion of Scripture, we were saying that the Lord Jesus Christ here is kind of putting our motives in check. Uh, the beginning part of the Sermon on the Mount was all about how we behave. It's not how we behave in order to earn salvation. It's how we be behave as a result of salvation. Now the Lord is talking about our motives and the things, if you remember, that were most important to Jewish people was praying, fasting, and giving. And the Lord then was um, saying about, you know, be careful with the motives behind what you do. If you give so that everybody can see what you're doing, the motive is wrong. If you fast to the point where you cover yourself in sackcloth and ashes and you, you kind of moan and wail and say, oh, look what I'm doing, I'm fasting, the motive is wrong. If you pray and you stand on the street corner and you kind of use big, long words and you try and impress everybody, the Lord is saying the motive is wrong. And sometimes people say, well, I, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. And the Lord is not giving us a prayer here to simply repeat 
You know, that's the issue we sometimes find with the prayer of salvation. It becomes an ABC, repeat after me type of prayer. And the Lord is not saying to you, look, I want you to just repeat this so you don't have to think about what you say. He's given us a structure. When we come before the Lord, we are to recognize the relationship that we have with him. We are to come into his presence reverently. Yes, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. But that doesn't mean that we barge through the door and say, Right, here I am. It doesn't mean bold as brass. Come on, Lord, answer my prayer, because you have to. We need to come reverently. Hallowed be thy name. You recognize the fact that we can come into the very presence of the creator of this universe. We can come into the very presence of God himself and say, I need help. Can you answer my prayer? So the Lord is getting us to to kind of recognize our motives behind what we do. And as we continue through this, I hope that we're kind of learning more and more how to pray more authentic prayers, more relevant prayers, because we should take time glorifying God. You know, not there's nothing wrong with, you know, oftentimes I've said, don't come in with your shopping list and that doesn't mean we can't pray for ourselves. But what it means is, is we don't just barge into the Lord's presence, give him our shopping list, and then leave. We take time to say, Lord, I, I can't even begin to comprehend the fact that I'm able to come into your presence. You ever, you ever met anybody famous? Any, how, how many of you ever met anybody really famous? Few people, okay. So do you understand what it means to be like a bit starstruck? No? It's, it's really hard. We, we went, um, I took um, Eve up to London to see a show, and we went out for food after the show, and the cast was sat on the table right next to us, and Eve was like, oh. and I'm like, just, just go on, if you want their autographs, go and get their autographs. You know, they, they just sat right there, they're normal people, just go, oh, I can't, Dad, I can't, I can't, just, just go and speak to them. Oh, Dad, I can't do it, I can't do it, I just, just, don't be so daft. Just, just go and ask, I can't do it, Dad. And I thought, what, a, what an idiot. Until we were in a restaurant and you and McGregor were sat right there. And I was like, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh. And Hannah said, go and ask for his autograph, Dad. It's like, I can't. But I did, I went up to him, but I didn't go up and say, Hey, you are famous, you deal with the public all the time, give us your autograph. I was like, is it okay if I get a picture? Is it, you know, is it all right? And I think sometimes, I'm saying that to say this, sometimes we kind of barge into the Lord's presence because we can, but I think they, we need to recognize that there has to be a reverence when we come before him. Now, if we come up in front of somebody who's famous or important, and we act a certain way towards them, why do we think then that we can just barge through the door and say, right, God, answer my prayer because you have to. There has to be that reverence. And the Lord is trying to get us to recognize that authenticity to our prayer, to our prayer and the, the relevance of our prayer. And so, because sometimes, you know, when we've done the discipleship class, we come to the, um, the section on praying, and you'd be amazed at how many people say, oh, I just, you know, I don't know 
way to start. Because what we find ourselves doing, if we don't have some kind of a pattern, what we find ourselves doing is, we, how many of you ever waffled during your prayers? You ever done that where you've started off and then all of a sudden you're like, where am I going with this? You know, so what the Lord is saying is, look, you, you, you know, and, and we, we use pray or acts, you know, so praise, repentance, ask and yield, or acts is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, just to have, and, and, and you see that here, you know, you see the, the praise, you see that structure the Lord has given us, praise, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, you see the repentance part, forgive us our debts. You see the asking part, give us this day our daily bread. You see the yielding part, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you, you just see that the Lord has given us a structure so that our praying can be authentic, our praying can be relevant, that there's a structure there that we don't kind of just waffle, that we take the time to recognize the Lord. And here... We now come to the matter of our sins, the matter of our repentance. Now, this is not something, uh, and, you know, um, I've had this conversation with quite a few people in the past. This is not something we always talk about in church because we tend to think that once we become Christians, there's no need to repent ever again. But we do because we still sin. And we'll we'll see that now. We'll see that uh, in a little while. And, and, and maybe this kind of verse makes people nervous because we don't like to talk about our sin. Because once we're saved, the debt is paid. Once we are saved, our sins are forgiven. Once we are saved, we, we're told that our transgressions are removed as far as the east is from the west. Once we're saved, we're told that the, the Lord remembers our sins no more. But guess what? We still we saw that this morning we saw that with David a man after God's own heart we saw that with Solomon the wisest man on the planet we still sin and sin has to be dealt with now we recognize that our sin as unbelievers was dealt with at Calvary but our sins as believers are dealt with at God's throne if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John uh, 8 says, But the blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Again, for those who are a bit nervous with the King James Bible and the THs, that TH is the perfect present tense. Cleanseth. Continuous process. Blood's Christ, uh, blood's Christ. Christ's blood didn't just cleanse us one time at Calvary. The blood of Christ cleanseth, continues to cleanse from all sins, because guess what? We sin every day. We don't like to talk about sin, but the Lord here makes a provision for us to be able to confess our sin before the Lord. You don't have to go to a priest to confess your sin. You don't have to come to me to confess. Don't come to me to confess your sin, because it'll end up as a sermon illustration. (laughs) You don't need to, thankfully, you don't need to to come to me and confess anything but we confess our sins to him but it's interesting that again we see the the communal aspect of this prayer the family aspect of this prayer because he says he doesn't say forgive me of my sins it says and forgive us 
our debt. Everything we've been taught to pray is to be prayed in context of family unit, the fact that we are part of one family, one body uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we've said this before, it's our Father, it's our daily bread, it's a communal thing. So let's, let's have a look first of all then at the problem. Forgive us our debts. Um, there's a story about a, a trial going on in America, and the whole town had gathered in the courthouse because um, the person who was on trial was well known in the town, and uh, um, they'd all gathered for this particular trial. And the prosecuting attorney called his first witness, who was an elderly woman to the stand, and he approached her and he said, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy, and frankly, you've been a big disappointment. You lie, you cheated on your wife, you manipulated people, you've talked about them behind their backs, you think you're a rising big shot, but you haven't the brains to realize that you will never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned, not knowing what else to do. He pointed across the room and asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She replied, why, of course I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster too. I used to babysit him, and he too has been a real disappointment. He's lazy, he's bigoted, he has a drinking problem. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. With that, the judge bangs his gavel and says to the counsel, approach the bench. The prosecuting attorney comes, the defense attorney comes. And the judge says, if either of you ask her if she knows me, I'll throw the case out. <laughs> Can I say this, that the Lord knows us better than we even know ourselves. He knows what our hidden secrets are. He knows what our secret sins are. He knows where our failures are. He knows what we do that we shouldn't do. He knows exactly where we are. He knows what we think about. He knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows about our sinfulness. The word forgive here, where it says, forgive us our debts, is from the Greek word, which literally means to send away. When we pray this prayer, we're confessing before the Lord that we have a problem. The word confess in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, the word confess literally means to say the same as. What we do when we confess our sins, we are simply agreeing with God. Lord, I agree with you. This is not something that we should be doing. We can't help the fact that we are still sinners. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. First John 1.10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Let me ask you this question. Can God lie? No. So even after salvation, we are still sinners. But the difference is we are sinners saved by grace. Paul um, gives that, it's a passage of scripture that no preacher likes to preach from. Because it's, Paul says, the things I ought not do, I do, and that what I don't do, I should, and I shouldn't do that I do. And Paul is basically saying, the things that I shouldn't do, 
That's what my flesh is kind of drawn towards doing. And that which I know that I should do, that's the thing that I find hard to do. We are still sinners. Far too many believers act as though they think sin is something that happens in the lives of other people and not them. But we've all sinned. Yes, even after salvation, we still sin. And the thing is this, you know when the Lord Jesus Christ said, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I send you, he whosoever looketh upon a woman in lust has committed adultery with her already in his heart. The Lord Jesus Christ takes uh, the, the sin problem, not just from the act of doing, but even to the act of thinking. If you think about it, the Lord knows our thought life. If you hate somebody, what's worse? You going up to them saying, Oh, I hate you! Or you thinking in your mind, Oh, they get on my nerves, I can't stand them. And it makes no difference in the Lord's eyes. Because he knows our thought life. Paul said, Oh, wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. Uh, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul was saying that I can't help myself. The great apostle Paul admitted the fact that, oh, wretched man that I am, I'm just a sinner. And I'm still a sinner, even though I've been saved by the grace of God. One thing is sure, that we will always have this sin problem until we get to glory. You see, we've been freed from the penalty of sin. That, that happened at the cross of Calvary. We've even been freed from the power of sin because the Lord said, if a temptation does come our way, he'll provide a way of escape. But the problem is, is we've not been freed from the presence of sin, not yet. And that's something we have to deal with every day. It's interesting that the Bible uses five words to describe sin. Um, our text here uses the word death to refer to sin. But in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, that word is harmatia. Uh, that's the most common word for sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That particular word is used 172 times in the New Testament, and it literally carries the idea of an archer firing an arrow and missing the target. So when it says sin, here's harmatia, for the wages of sin... It's missing the mark. Um, it refers to the fact that in our sins, we miss the standard of God's righteousness. Um, for all have sinned, harmatia, and come short of the glory of God. Sin causes us to miss the mark. Then the other word for sin, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through, the, 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 through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. That word is uh, paraptoma, which is... Um, means offence or trespass. Uh, through his blood we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Uh, it's also used in Ephesians um, uh, 2, 1, where it says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. So that word there, paraptoma, uh, it carries the idea of slipping or falling. Uh, and you have the idea of carelessness. Um, it refers to a sin that is the result of a careless 
rather than intentional. Um, if we're not careful, we can be swept away um, by something. We can be caught up in the, uh, in the moment, and before we know it, it's kind of gained, uh, uh, grabbed a hold of us. Then in uh, Timothy 2.14, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. That is parabasis. And that word, usually translated as transgression, refers to an intentional crossing of the line. That is basically saying, I know this isn't right. I know this is wrong. I know what God's word says. I know how God feels about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's what that word uh, for sin is. That is far more uh, of a conscious sin than the other two. One was missing the mark. One was an unintentional um, consequence of an action. This one is an intentional um, breaking of God's uh, law. And then um, the fourth word we have in Matthew 7:23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Anomia. Um, this word is usually translated as iniquity or transgression, and it just simply means lawlessness. Again, somebody who knows the right thing to do, but does the wrong thing anyway. Somebody who knows the law. Uh, this is somebody who knows that 30 miles an hour is the speed limit. I'm going to do 35 to 40 no matter what the sign says. You know who I'm talking to. Joanna. Anumea is direct and open rebellion against God. So that's the fourth word for sin. But what we have before us is a different word. Forgive us our debts. Ophelamia. Ophelamia. It is translated as debt or it is referred to something that is owed to another party. What Christ is saying here is that our sin is like a debt owed to God and also to fellow man. It means a failure to pay that which is due. Confessing that we need forgiveness is humbling. You might say, well, wait a minute, didn't Christ pay for our sins? Yes, he did. So if he paid for our sins, we are in debt to him. If you like, he owns them. So we are to ask for forgiveness of something that we couldn't pay for in the first place. For they belong to him, if, if you like. But it's our pride that keeps us from confessing. Yeah, I used to... I'm using an illustration years ago when, when talking about um, you know, confessing our sins and about the king hose pipe. You know, when you come to the water of the garden and the water won't come through because there's a kink in the hose pipe. That's our sin. Our sin is the kink. So when we pray to God and there's sin that's unconfessed, the Bible says that he hides his face from us, that he won't hear us until we confess and then that hose pipe gets that kink taken out of it, and then the water can come through. It doesn't affect our salvation. Our sins were paid at the cross of Calvary. Our sins have been forgiven. So we say, forgive us our debt. Forgive us that which we already owe you. Something that we can't pay for ourselves. We recognize the fact that this is a debt that you paid for us. 
Sin doesn't affect our salvation. It affects our relationship with the Lord, unconfessed sin. Pride keeps us from confessing our sin to the Lord because we don't want to admit it. Well, I'm saved. And because I'm saved, therefore I can't sin. Can I say this to you? Pride stops somebody coming, will stop somebody coming to know Christ as their Savior because they don't want to admit that they're a sinner in the first place. God already knows everything about us. He knows what our problem is. Our problem is still sin. He already knows what's going on in our lives. It's not as if we've managed to keep some great secret from him and then we've got to go before him and say, oh Lord, by the way. <laughs> no need to say by the way to the Lord because he already knows. But the Lord said we are to ask for him to forgive our debts. So that's the problem, our debts. But then we see the proportion. Because it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The most difficult part of this prayer is the last part. I don't want to give some I don't want to forgive somebody else that's hurt me. Why? Because that's a natural reaction, isn't it? Why we don't mind being forgiven. We don't want to forgive anybody else. When this prayer is understood correctly, it is a prayer for God to extend forgiveness to me. To the same degree that I extend forgiveness to other believers. And that's a scary thought. When we, refuse to main, when we refuse to maintain fellowship with other believers in the family of God, it's going to affect my relationship with the Father. How many of you have either got um, you know, um, more than one child or you are, um, you, you've got siblings yourselves, uh, most people, uh, some are only children, I, and some only got one, but the siblings here then. What's the family atmosphere like when the siblings are arguing? Well, that just says everything, we don't talk about that. Who? It, 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 it tends to get a little bit feisty, doesn't it? The dinner table can become a bit frosty, especially when girls are involved. I've had two girls. I feel sorry for people who've had like three girls or four girls. That's just a nightmare. That's the, the stage of looking at all the weddings now who like <laughs> fit into that category. But when the family's not functioning, right? If somebody's out of balance, it affects the whole family. What the Lord is saying here is, look, if, if we want the family to function properly, if our relationship with the Father is going to be right, then our relationship with everyone else within the family ought to be right. You know, I've said this time and time again, it boggles my mind with how many Christians really dislike one another. I was a lot about, I mean, there's enough of that nonsense going on in the world. As if, as if we haven't got enough problems to worry about. Worry about the fussing and fighting at the Christian dinner table. If I expect the Lord to forgive me when I cry out, then we ought to be quick 
to forgive other believers who have wronged us as well? Can we forgive them to the same level that we've been forgiven? Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's a tough ask. Because some Christians can be real hard work. Some Christians can really test your patience. None in this church, I might add. But some Christians, outside of Bethany, from other fellowships, maybe even from other countries, can be tough to deal with. But if we refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ, how can we then go to the Lord and say, hey, forgive me even though I've messed up? Because just as much as we can mess up, guess what? They can mess up as well. Matthew 6, 14 says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Bible is quite clear uh, about the matter. When we've been wronged, when we've been offended, and when we've been hurt by others, we need to carry that before the Lord and say, right, okay, Lord, if you want me to forgive this person, you're really going to have to give me the grace because I want to be forgiven and I want my relationship with you to be right. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If somebody's hurt you to the point where you feel like you'll never ever be able to forgive them, forgive them anyway and let the Lord deal with them. You've done you a part. Doesn't mean you've got to invite them over for dinner every Tuesday. It doesn't mean that you've got to go and lace up their shoes every time it's Sunday service. But it helps you when you let that go. Because then it stops eating you up inside. When we carry our own bitterness, well, what, what did I think it was Corey Ten Boone that said that bitterness is like, was it Corey Ten Boone that said bitterness is like eating poison and expecting the other person to suffer? And it's not, it only affects us. When you have wronged someone and you know you've wronged somebody, go to that person to fix it, to put it right. Therefore, if thy brimmer, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, therefore, bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember us that thy brother hath ought against thee. We are to leave our gift there before we can move on in our walk with the Lord. We are to fix that problem. Some people may never grow in the Lord, and they wonder why. Because that issue is always going to be there. The, the, the Lord said, you, you can't pick your gift back up again until that issue is resolved. Some people never grow, and the answer is simple. We need to go to those that we've offended and say, I'm sorry. If our fellowship in the family of God is to be what it should be, if our fellowship with the Heavenly Father is going to be what it should be, then we might have to put some things right between one another. And this may involve going to them and telling them why 
you were hurt. Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. That person repents and says, Hey, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I upset you. I didn't realize that I had done that. It may have been unintentional. I'm sorry. Then it can be put to bed. It can be put right. And we can both move on in our walk with the Lord. And if that happens, then praise the Lord. But if we can't get past that hurt, always going to affect our relationship with the Lord. It's always going to affect our walk with the Lord. Why? Because we're dragging baggage with us. Because we're coming before the Lord and saying, Right, Lord, forgive me my debts, but I'm not willing to forgive anybody that's hurt me. But I still want you to forgive me. Again, the reason for that forgiveness is not for the benefit of that person, for the benefit of this person. So that that relationship can flourish. Our fellowship with Christ will never be all that it should be until we come to that place where if we've wronged somebody, we're willing to go to that person and say, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I, I told you this story before. I had somebody come to me and said, hey, you hurt me. You did this to me. And I said, when did I do that? Oh, it was about seven or eight years ago. I was like, What? I can't remember what I did yesterday. And what they thought I had done and what they thought I had said and what they thought I had done in my actions couldn't have been any further from the truth. But by that point, they were so aggravated with me and so angry with me, there was no way we were ever going to get past that. But if they'd come straight away, as the Bible says, if you've got hope with your brother, go straight away. Why? Because then that stops all the bitterness building up. That stops all the anger building up. That stops all the imaginary arguments building up in your mind. And it can be put right. You go and sort it out with your brother. If your brother admits it, if they put things right, great, you've gained your brother. If they don't want to put things right, you go with the witness. If it doesn't get sorted, you bring it before the church. If it doesn't get sorted, you say, okay, I've done everything I can do. And at that point, you just move on. Because there's nothing else you can do but you've done all that you can to put that right our fellowship with Christ will never be what it should be what it could be if we carry that baggage of bitterness around with us all the time and our prayer life is hindered and maybe you are maybe you are here tonight and you think do you know what every time I try and pray it's just not getting past the ceiling there's something that's not then ask the Lord to show you right okay Lord what is it that's hindering my prayer what is it that I need to put right is there somebody I need to ask hey have I upset you have I offended you have I hurt you if I have I'm sorry and can we can we move past this maybe there's somebody that you're really aggravated with and every time you try and pray you can't because they keep coming to your mind I can't believe they did that to me 45 years ago. Still bugs me. Then our walk with the Lord will never be what it should be and what it could be until we put that right. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that 
you really aggravated with, go fix it. Have an amnesty. Say, right. No fists thrown. We'll have a moment where everybody say, hey, I'm sorry, and then everybody will be confessing over you. Nobody in church next week now because everybody realizes, hey, every single person in the church had a problem with me, and I didn't even know about it. I was blissfully unaware. But maybe your prayer life is struggling, and you don't know why. Then ask the Lord, Lord, I want this to be right. You tell me that it needs to be right. So if there's something in my life that is causing me to have an issue with my prayer time, just let me know so we can put it right. We are never more like Christ than when we can forgive those who've offended us. So let's pray tonight. Lord, help me be more like you. Because that can only come from Christ. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes you see on TV, and I've seen, you know, like um, news interviews, maybe um, uh, something has happened, and uh, the person who's been injured or has been attacked or has, uh, something terrible has happened, and they're, they're a believer, and they turn around and say, well, I forgive that person. And you think, wow, how can you do that? How can you forgive somebody you don't know? How can you forgive somebody who's not even a Christian? How can you forgive by the grace of God? So if they can do that for somebody that they don't know, then the Lord can give us the grace that we need to be able to forgive those that have hurt us that we do know, that are a part of our family. And here's the kicker. Those within the family that wrong us hurt far more than those outside the family that wrong us different when a, a, an unbeliever does something to us. It's different when somebody who's unsaved says something about us. It's different when somebody who we don't even know has hurt us. When some, somebody we know, somebody we love, somebody that's a part of our family in that body of Christ hurts us. Things it takes a lot to get over. But we have to get over it. Why? Because it affects our relationship with him. And it affects our ability to recognize the joy that we have in our lives that he's given us. Because of how we feel towards somebody else is robbing us of that joy. Forgiving and being forgiven are far more important than we care to imagine. If we look at that little word there in verse 12, and... That little word and connects verse 12 to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Just as I am taught to pray for the things I need to sustain my life day by day, I'm also taught that I need forgiveness day by day. Keep a short account with the Lord. When we sin against the Lord, we need forgiveness. There are times when we are offended by others. At those times, we need the grace to be able to forgive them so that our relationship with him is not hindered. Are you struggling in your prayer life today? Are you struggling in your walk with him? Maybe something's off and you just don't know what it is. Then ask him if there's something in your life that 
We've got to get settled. Not to make the other person feel good, but so we can put that right so that bitterness is removed. So that relationship can be what it's meant to be. Maybe there's something in your life that you don't want to go before the Lord and say, Hey Lord, I've sinned and I've done this and I, I don't really want to tell him. And guess what? He knows about it anyway. But he wants us to confess. He wants us to say the same thing. He wants us to come before him and say, Lord, I know I've missed the mark. I know you've paid for that sin at Calvary. I know that there are times when I've unintentionally sinned. I know that there are times when I've intentionally sinned. I know there are times when I've been in outright rebellion against you. I know there are times when I just need to move that forward. The Lord knows what we've done. He just wants us to come before him and admit it. Forgive us our debt. We forgive our debtors. Maybe you think I'll never be able to forgive that person ever. By God's grace. He is able to forgive us because of what we've done to him. He can give us the grace to forgive those that have hurt us in ways that we don't want anybody else to go through. That we wouldn't even wish that on our worst enemy. Only by his grace. Father, we thank you again for this time tonight and for this opportunity to come around your word. Father, I just pray that you would help us when it comes to the matter of forgiveness. Help us, Lord. Help us to recognize those moments in our lives where we failed you. Help us to recognize those times in our lives where we've brought dishonor to your name. And Father, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts. That if there's somebody that's hurt us, if there's somebody that we are holding on to with any kind of bitterness or malice, that we would be able to give that over to you and you would give us the grace that we need to be able to forgive them in the same manner in which you forgive us of our wrongdoing. So, Father, we just pray you would help us when it comes to confessing our sins to you and being able to forgive others that have hurt us and to be able to be willing to admit when we've done wrong to somebody else so that our relationship with you would be such that it would be a testimony to others and that we would be able to feel your presence in our lives. So, Father, would you help us in this matter of this area of praying when it comes to confessing our sin to you so we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We stand and sing our last hymn together beneath the cross of Jesus. Amen.
sins, we need to go to Calvary to forgive our sins. But from that forgiveness comes responsibilities upon us. And as we go into this world, make me take your presence with us, Lord. And now as we leave this place, yes, you bless us, protect us, keep us safe, till that next appointed time. Yes, these things in Jesus' name.